Oh boy, happy weekend and yes. welcome back to Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. This week we have William B. Davis coming on the show to talk about anything and everything this man has been a part of. He has a cult following for being the cigarette smoking man on yes. specifically the X-Files. And man, this guy has a lot of knowledge to pass on to the up-and-comers trying to break into it. For sure, has been doing it for several decades. He started when he was 12 years old. He's got a lot of knowledge and he shares that in his book on acting and life which is what we're talking about and you guys definitely do not want to miss that interview it's amazing no you really don't man we get a little crazy and you know we'll see if he can take it or not i mean we'll see (laughs) but man oh man that's a little bit later on the show now let's have a little fun What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 205 Woo! this week, and you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. Before we tease the rest of the show, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast, comment below in whatever comment section you are listening to or watching, and tell us what you think about our show. Leave a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people who enjoy entertainment news or people who are trying to break into the entertainment industry. So it's very important that you do that so that we can get exposed to more and more avenues. Facts. And we appreciate all of you. But man, there's a lot of stuff going down in Hollywood this week. Warner Brothers making some dumbass decisions. Man, we're going to dive deep into that and make some big, big comments on it. I'm super excited about it because I've got some opinions. Oh boy. It's a lot, man. But there's so much more going down. We finally saw a trailer for Andor, a Star Wars story. So, boy, I'm super excited for that show to hit Disney Plus soon and just so much other things that are happening in Hollywood. And you know we have it for you. But, man, be sure to go to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, and start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts. We got hats. We got tumblers. We got teddy bears. We have buttons. We have stickers. We have mouse pads. We have anything and everything for your basic household needs. Yes. Or anything that you are out wearing right now. And, of course, we want to let you know it is going to be our mid-year break so after today's show we will be going on a little hiatus for the rest of the month new episodes will return september 3rd so don't be sad be glad because we are coming (laughs) back man but that just gives you the opportunity to go back and listen to some of our favorite interviews on inside the crazy ant farm it's necessary man we got to go on vacation clear the mental health a little bit right we need a break too exactly we're super excited about it though a lot of good things happening in our personal lives and in the career so it's good it's good well we're gonna get started with disney of course austin butler jody coomer and tom hardy will star in director jeff nichols niche feature titled the bike riders Ooh. after the 1967 dan loin photography book the film tells an original story about a 1660s midwestern motorcycle club Mm. as it evolves over the course of a decade uh, from a community for outsiders into a far more sinister gang the film will be nichols's uh sixth directorial effort and his first since midnight special and loving 
which premiered in 2016. The film will begin production in Cincinnati, Ohio in October. We love to see it go into the Midwest section of the country because personally, I'm from the Midwest, so I love to see the <laughs> action happening there. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I mean, it, like I said, I loved Loving, and no pun intended, and I'm, I'm glad to see he's got another one coming. All right, now we're jumping back to the 80s, apparently. 20th Century Studios is looking to revive Working Girl with the help of none other than Selena Gomez. Gomez is in final negotiations to produce a reboot of Working Girl, the Mike Nichols-directed comedy starring Sigourney Weaver, Melanie Griffith, and Harrison Ford. Now, Yana Pena, who created the Disney Plus series Diary of a Future President, is apparently adapting the screenplay for the film, which is eyeing a release on Hulu. Mm. Now, a director has not been attached or announced. Casting has not been set, and it's even unclear if Gomez will star in the Working Girl remake, in addition to serving as the producer. Now, if you guys aren't familiar, the 1988 version follows an ambitious 30-something-year-old Staten Island secretary who takes over office operations while her boss is recovering from a broken leg. Mm. But when the secretary pitches a winning idea, her boss attempts to take the credit. Boo. That's Harrison Ford, too. Yeah. Lovable Harrison Ford. Goodness it was a gracious. really good movie. I'm not sure if I want to see a reboot of it, Just, but, I mean, you in know. Selena we trust. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I love to see her stepping in front of the camera more and behind the camera yeah. producing a lot of her stuff because I know there for a while she took a little hiatus from basically everything, but she's getting back into her music and her film and television for stuff, sure. so it's good to see. Yep. Well, audiences will get a chance to see Disney's inaugural future, uh, featured uh, documentary for free in select theaters during a one-week period beginning August 5th, Mija, Mija, Maya, whatever the fuck, uh, <laughs> which follows two daughters of undocumented immigrants navigating the music industry, uh, will get its uh, Academy Award qualifying run later in the month before debuting on Disney Plus on September 16th. Yep. The debut of the feature of Mexican-American filmmaker Isabel Castro, um, this one will premiere or it did premiere to uh, rave reviews at this year's Sundance Film Festival. In March, Disney's original documentary acquired the worldwide rights to the 88-minute film. So that's very exciting. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's interesting for sure. Okay, you know where you love her. Shea Kule, the star of RuPaul's Drag Race, has apparently joined the Marvel Studios TV series Ironheart in an undisclosed role. Mm. Now, as you guys know, Ironheart is set to debut on Disney Plus in the fall of 2023. That's all they've told us. We, we know nothing else. We just know she's going to be in it. In an undisclosed role. Yeah. We will keep you informed exactly. as we find out more. That's hilarious. Well, that's not the only Marvel news, though. No, no. We're talking about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law as well. But this one is moving premiere dates at Disney+, Plus, but not by much, though. Don't get worried. The Marvel <laughs> Studios show will now debut on Thursday, August 18th, instead of Wednesday, August 7th, or 17th. As originally announced, new episodes of the nine-episode series will drop weekly on Thursdays after that. And the series' official Twitter account is having a whole lot of fun with more surprises including a new look at the man yes. without fear and a new post today saturday the account posted a grid of photos making up the show's logo with caption she hulk attorney at law is full of surprises but when you click on the photos and expand them you get a fresh look at the eerie uh anticipated upcoming original series including one of the one and only daredevil and 
in what appears to be the yellow and red suit. There's also some others looking really good as well, including Hulk and Wong. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff coming out of this Twitter account, so be sure to follow them. Heck yeah, and uh, yeah, it's definitively yellow and yeah. red. I don't know how they even say maybe, so it is definitively yellow and red, y'all. Uh, Disney Plus also announced that Season 2 of The Mighty Ducks Game Changers will debut September 28th. Now, in the new season, the team and their coach, Alex Morrow, played by the lovable Lauren Graham, mm. take to the road to an attend an intense summer hockey institute in California run by charming yet hardcore former NHL player Colin Cole, who is newcomer Josh Dumel. He's taking the place, obviously, of Emilio Estevez, who's not on the show anymore. It's a place for kids to get excellent at hockey without school to get in the way. Mm. Oh, but is that a good thing? I know. I'm still super sad about Emilio not being a part of season two. Me too. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. But it, again, like I said, in Selena, in Lauren, and Lauren, we trust. We trust. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, guys, the latest trailer. For Andor, the Rogue One prequel series has been released. Yes. The Disney Plus spinoff series will debut September 21st with three new episodes. That's great because I'm getting my wisdom teeth taken out on September 22nd, so I'll just fucking binge watch all three of these episodes <laughs> while I'm knocked the fuck out. Uh, and the three weeks later than the previously announced uh, on August 31st, Diego Luna debuted the trailer during his appearance on Good Morning America and discussed the decision to debut the series with three episodes. The action-adventure series centers on Luna Kazian Andor character and is set prior to the events of Rogue One, obviously, because they fucking died. Spoiler alert. (laughs) In the early days of the rebellion against the Empire, the series will begin with the destruction of Andor's homeworld. The lengthy trailer also shows Forrest Whitaker reprising his role as Shar Gera, from the original film, which is also very exciting because if you played um, Fallen Order, Jedi, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, he is also in that one too. So yes. a lot of good Easter eggs everywhere in the Star Wars world. Oh my goodness, so exciting, so exciting. The trailer, if you didn't watch it, watch it. It's fucking epic. Yeah. Uh, Disney and Pixar have set September 8th. Boy, a lot of shit coming in September, huh? Uh, for the Disney Plus premiere of the new Cars spinoff series, Cars on the Road. They released a first look trailer for the animated series. Cars on the Road, of course, follows McQueen and his best friend, Miter, played by Larry the Cable Guy, obviously, as they head east from Radiator Springs on a cross-country road trip to meet up with Mater's sister. Now, Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy voice the characters in the movies and return to reprise their roles in the animated series. So, I mean, can you do it without them? You can't. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it just makes sense. And I mean, it's a cute trailer, so I'm excited to see these characters introduced to the younger audience, kind of like Scooby-Doo type of thing. Yep. Uh, Laura-san Giacomo has been hired to inject some more Christmas magic to Disney+. Plus. The Santa Claus's actress, last seen in Barry and Inside CIS, will play La Befana, a Christmas witch from Italian folklore uh, who delivered uh, treats to good children on the morning of infamy. Now, she now resides in Wobbly Woods of the North Pole. So that's going to be very interesting. I mean, introducing different folklores from different cultures. I think that's very important and very cool. I love that Disney's doing that. Heck yeah. And if the name doesn't sound familiar for you, uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. And if that one doesn't ring the bell, this one for sure will. Cinder fucking Rella. That's right. Now you know who she is. (laughs) Cinderella. In 
Ellen Pompeo is set to star in a limited series inspired by real events that has been ordered at Hulu. Now, in the untitled show, a Midwestern couple adopts what they believe is an eight-year-old girl with a rare form of dwarfism. But as they begin to raise her alongside three biological children, they slowly start to believe she may not be who she says she is. As they question her story, they're confronted with hard questions of their own about the lengths they're willing to go to defend themselves, falling into a battle that's fought in the tabloids, the courtroom, and ultimately their marriage. Now, Hulu has given the series an eight-episode order. I think this is based off a real thing or at least a real idea because I watch a lot of Watch Mojo and some shit like this popped up on there where they adopted a girl from like a different country and then the girl who was actually like 30 something was plotting to kill them. Yeah. Like it's crazy. crazy The world is insane, guys. It's true. But you know what is also insane? How often we predict shit on the show. Oh, yeah. With another, with that series order, the one that he just read, what does that mean for Pompeo's Meredith Grey on the one and only Grey's Anatomy? Well, the answer is that Pompeo is expected to have a reduced on-screen role in the upcoming season, which is the 19th Nailed of the it. ABC medical drama. It has been confirmed she will appear in eight episodes of the new season, but will continue the, to narrate every episode in addition to serving as an executive producer. So it's definitely becoming a late-night soap opera. So oh, for sure. It makes and sense. Yeah, this is what we were talking about at the top of the show, guys. If you want to know what's going to happen... Just listen to this show. We told you last week, go back. I'm telling you, go back or follow us on social media. You'll see I posted the clip. Go back and listen to last week's show. We called this. We knew this was going to happen, and, well, there it, it is. did. Rosanna Arquette has joined the third season of ABC's Big Sky in a recurring role. Arquette will play Virginia Gigi Cessna, Jenny's charismatic, fast-talking mother. Oh, boy, we're going to see her mother. Okay. She's a world-class scam artist and used childhood Jenny in her griffs, much to present-day Jenny's resentment. Now, Gigi has an uncanny ability to charm her way into people's lives and then disappear without a trace. Mm. When she returns to Helena to pull her latest con, Jenny catches on to her, and mother and daughter must work through their difficult relationship. I oh. love Rosanna Arquette. I love this show. I think this is going to be a great addition. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Well, career opportunities in Murder and Mayhem. The Hulu series is in the works that stars Mandy uh, Pinkin uh, <laughs> and cast Annie Q. Regal from Kung Fu and The Leftovers mm. in a major recurring role. Now, um, Annie will play Winnie in the project. The series asks, how do you solve a murder in the post-fact world? Well, especially when sailing to the Mediterranean on an ocean linear filled with wealthy and powerful. Now, everyone on board is hiding something, but is one of them the killer? That is the world's, uh, that is what the world's once greatest detective, Rufus uh, Cosworth, uh, and his uh, prestigious protege, played by Violet Bean, aim to discover. The series received a 10 episode order from Hulu this year. The series will go into production this month and continue through December. Mm. So that's exciting. That, uh, I mean, it sounds interesting. A lot right? of these concepts are happening right now Death on the Nile, Knives Out. Like, yeah. This it's a thing right now. It is. It's a thing. But Mandy Patinkin and, and, and Violet Bean, totally in. I'm totally right. in on that one. This one, it seemed like it was never going to happen ever. But guess what? Apparently it is. I'm talking about the long gestating adaptation of Devil in the White City. It's officially ordered to series at Hulu now with 
none other than Keanu Reeves himself set to mm. star in the one of the lead roles. This will mark Reeves' first major American television role. The series is based on the book of the same name by Eric Larson. It tells the true story of Daniel H. Burnham, uh, a demanding but visionary architect who races to make the mark on history with the 1893 Chicago World's Fair mm. and Dr. H. H. Holmes, now America's first modern serial killer and the man behind the notorious murder castle built in the fair's shadow. Mm. So there you go. And this one, if you didn't know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Martin Scorsese, and De Niro are producing this thing. It only makes sense. I'm very excited to see this because I watched a documentary about this whole situation before, and it's it's gruesome, also intriguing at Mm. the same time. But, you know, America loves murder for some reason. It's true. Uh, But Hulu has ordered a comedy series, not a murder series, (laughs) The Other Black Girl. The series is based on Zakia Dalla's Harris novel of the same name. And in the show, Nella, the editorial assistant, is tired of being the only black girl at her company. So she is excited when Hazel is hired. But as (laughs) Hazel's star begins to rise, Nella spirals out and discovers something sinister that is going on in the company. Oh, fucking cult like shit. I, I mean, mean, so maybe there will be a murder. Yeah, I right. Mean, who, knows? <laughs> who knows? Hey, this is really good news because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And now we finally know the fourth and final season of Atlanta. Of course, the comedy series from creator, showrunner and star Donald Glover will premiere with two episodes right around the corner on September 15th at 10 p.m. before streaming on Hulu the next day. So there you guys go. We finally have a premiere date for it. Really excited for that one. The trailer dropped and it looked very entertaining from season one to where they are now it's a drastic difference so it's a really entertaining show be sure to check that out well details of season 11 of ryan murphy's fx anthology series american horror story have been hard to come by but we now know we have a confirmation that the upcoming season of the horror anthology series will premiere this fall the official world our word came from fx chairman john langraff during his executive session at the tca summer press tour now the new season's title casting and official premiere date is still to be determined so we don't know a lot but it's coming this fall that's right <laughs> fx has also ordered a limited series exclusively for Hulu from Stephen Knight with Elizabeth Moss set to star titled The Veil. The show is described as a thriller that explores the surprising and fraught relationship between two women who play a deadly game of truth and lies Mm. on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Now one woman has a secret, the other a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. Goodness gracious Well damn man, man. I I mean I think we have fun on road trips but nothing like that. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) It's so funny because we were talking to uh kayla adams who is our guest upcoming uh in a future weeks um but like there's so much drama out right now there where's is. the light-hearted like romantic yeah. comedies man shit we need a rom-com we really do <laughs> not to say the dramas aren't good because they're amazing oh yeah man they need to lift some weight off of our shoulders that's right well fox emmy winner jamie presley from my name is earl is moving into another small tv town presley has been added to the cast of fox's upcoming Welcome to the Flatch as it returns for its second season. She will play Barb Flatch, a uh, realtor who returns to her hometown (laughs) after a bad divorce 
Welcome to The Flash, uh, returns for its second season on Thursday, September 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. I like how you said that. Barb Flatch. <laughs> yeah. I've never even heard of that show, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we've talked about it a couple times, but I, yeah, it just flies under the radar. It's like not anything that I've really kind of like, you yeah. know. All right, guys. Jumping on over to the bunny where I'm sure Bugs is choking on his carrot at this point. Pr- and probably worried for his safety because he apparently is a children's program obviously and that could be in trouble exactly uh warner brothers discovery warner brothers discovery shares were battered yesterday on the heels of the aftermarket second quarter earnings report on thursday that revealed the depth of the financial and operational pressures Mm. if you will that the newly enlarged conglomerate is facing now, shares were down more than 17% at midday, dropping all the way to $14.50. At the close of trading yesterday, the stock was down 16.5% at $14.59. Now, the valuation of the company has plummeted in the four months since Discovery completed the spinoff transaction with AT&T. As of yesterday, it stood at $35.4 billion, far off the $43 billion price tag for the transaction that closed in April. The company reported a net loss of more than $3.41 billion, owing to more than $2 billion in amortization of various assets, more than $1 billion in restructuring and other charges, $983 million in expenses related to the merger. It did see a pro forma revenue of $9.82 billion during the period, but that's down 1% from the year earlier period. Studio segment notched revenue of more than $2.79 billion, up 3% on a pro forma basis. The company's TV network saw revenue rise 1% to $5.74 billion, driven by 2% increase in advertising that was bolstered by sports. HBO Max, HBO, and Discovery Plus subscribers combined were $92.1 million, up about $1.7 million from $90.4 million the prior quarter. That's up 22%, $75.8 million on pro forma basis versus a year earlier. But Warner Brother Discovery streaming businesses lost subscribers domestically in quarter two, dropping nearly half a million of them from 53.3 million in the first quarter to 53 million as of June 30th. Now, CEO David Zasloff said, quote, hey, fuck all that. We're confident on the right path that we're on the right path to meet our strategic goals and really excel before creatively and financially and couldn't be more excited about the future of the company. What the fuck stock thing is he reading? Cuz yeah, I mean Exactly. I feel like a whole bunch of people were pulling out and selling by the end of yesterday. Oh, yeah. I know I was. It was absolutely terrifying and it's hard to be an investor in something that you just don't believe in anymore. Like I I'm not gonna lie at first i was optimistic i'm always optimistic especially with chapik and zasloff but these fuckers keep doing some stupid shit man it's crazy and everybody's wondering so what's gonna happen with the two streaming services discovery plus and hbo max well warner brothers discovery's first strategic priority on the streaming side from of the house is to merge hbo max and discovery Mm. plus into one single platform that's slate to hit the first in the uh 
hit first in the U.S. in the summer of 2023, so next year, although they did not reveal what it would be called or what it would cost, Zaslov said that once it is uh, interrogated or it's an integrated subscription service, it will be firmly established in the market. They are exploring the opportunity for a free ad-supported streaming offering that would give consumers who did not want to pay a subscription fee access to a great library of content. Now, the potential ad-supported service also would act as an entry point to upsell customers to on the paid HBO Max Discovery Plus combo. Now, the ad-supported service will include some HBO programming, but to be clear, you wouldn't get anything like the full complement of the HBO original series for free. Now, that's a lot to take in, guys. And basically, what I think is going to happen, and we're going to talk more about what this past week he did, this fucker. Um, I think this guy is literally going to take all the content he wants from Warner Brothers and basically run the other shit into the ground. Like, I'm so disappointed about how all of this is going. And it's such a legendary company. What the fuck are you doing? Well, I'm glad you brought up Chappic because at this point, I'm pretty confident he's the happiest guy in Hollywood right now because of all this shit that Zasloff is now doing. Nobody's talking about Chappic's horrible tenure as CEO of Disney anymore, but he's still there, guys. Just look at his stock, too. Yeah. Not in a good position, no. okay? Uh, okay, let's see. Let's jump just to so fuck that. Let's jump right to the biggie because this is the one that caused all the hysteria Eric's okay talking about Batgirl remember the awesomeness Batgirl Leslie Grace we were gonna get Keaton back under the cowl my Batman back under the cowl it was gonna be fucking epic Brendan Fraser ah no not happening no I'm sure you've seen yeah it's so fucking stupid Batgirl the feature film adaptation of DC Comics character has been shelved at Warner Brothers y'all it will not premiere on any platform at the studio not theatrically, not on HBO Max, not on HBO. They're not selling it to another... Nothing, guys. Studio insiders now insist the decision to axe Batgirl was not driven by the quality of the film or the commitment of the filmmakers, but by the desire for the studio's slate of DC features to be blockbuster scale. Now, Warner Brothers Discovery released a statement saying, quote, the decision to not release Batgirl reflects our leadership's strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. Leslie Grace is an incredibly talented actor, and this decision is not a reflection on her performance. We are incredibly grateful... Uh, <laughs> to the filmmakers and their cast, and we hope to collaborate with everyone again in the near future. But the question is, did he really mean that? Because he then said during the earnings call, quote, we're not going to launch a movie until it's ready. We're not going to launch a movie to make a quarter, and we're not going to put out a movie unless we believe in it. So he clearly didn't fucking believe in it, I just how do you go and praise it, say it had nothing to do with the film itself, and then say you didn't believe in it? Yeah, exactly. And a whole bunch of people like ourselves were talking about this situation and how we, I don't know if it's the whole reason, but there is parts of an aspect that's like, okay, are you not female friendly? Are you not color mm. friendly? Because this will be, you know, Barbara Gordon as a black female protagonist or are you transgender phobic like because there is going to be a first transgender I forget superhero or villain in this film 
But we will never see it now. We will literally never fucking see it. It's fucking horrible. It's ridiculous. I Like we were talking about off air, hopefully people behind the scenes keep releasing these photos kind of like Snyder did with the Snyder cut. Um, but we'll see, man. I'm just, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever see it, to be honest. There's no, a lot happening. No, but, but, but like, like I was saying, I mean, look at this thing, man. It He says it wasn't, they, they, they didn't believe in it, that it wasn't, blockbuster worthy fucking Oscar winner Michael Keaton Oscar winner J.K. Simmons Leslie Grace Brendan Fraser it's got a hundred million dollar budget what the fuck is not blockbuster worthy about that film I, I, I just I cannot understand how he did not think that this thing was ready by the way just you have I I don't know I'm so just mind boggled by that I don't understand how he thinks that that cast people would not turn people were going to go to the theater to see this film just to see fucking Keaton return under the cowl exactly I mean the anticipation was huge for this thing I know it's crazy the initial 75 million production budget for the project which finished uh, principal photography earlier this year was in post-production, reached $90 million due in part to COVID-related delays and protocols. According to sources with knowledge of the situation, the most likely reason for the uh, film was scrapped was taxes. Spending the money to expand the scope of Batgirl for theaters Plus the thirty million to fifty million needed to market it domestically, and the tens of millions more needed for a global rollout could have nearly doubled spending on the film. And insiders say that uh, that say that was a non-starter at the company, newly focused on the belt tightening form and the bottom line the company will almost certainly take a tax write down on the film, uh, seeing a. Or seen internally as the most financially sound way to recoup its losses. Doing so, however, would mean that Warner Brothers cannot monetize the movie. No HBO Max debut, no sale to other studio. So that's fucking ridiculous. So yeah. you choose to put out a movie that has a fucking psychopath rather than a movie you quote-unquote don't believe in, that the fans were gearing to see, that yeah. the fans were telling you to put out this film instead of The Psychopath. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that because we, we, he, he brought that up. Which, But you're right. Like, like Sometimes, man, it's not about the fucking money. It's about doing what's right. And you, you know how much they're saving from that movie? 20 million bucks. Yep. They're saving 20 million bucks. What, what the fuck? Is 20 million bucks really worth not doing the right thing morally? I know what you guys are asking, right? So where does this leave the other DC films? Well, shithead himself, Zaslav, repeatedly pointed to the company's DC superhero properties, including Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, saying, quote, these are brands that are known everywhere in the world, and as part of that, we're going to focus on quality. DC is something that we think we could make better, and we're focused on it now. The objective is to grow the DC brand, to grow the DC characters, but also our job and this is the laughable fucking part about it, is to protect the DC brand, and that's what we're going to do. Now, it's no secret that Zasloff has long wished to emulate the success of Disney's Marvel Studios, which Kevin Feige built into the highest-grossing film franchise in history. Now, during the earnings call... 
<laughs> Zasloff suggested DC would try to emulate the Marvel playbook, saying, quote, we have done a reset. We have restructured the business where we are going to focus, where there is going to be a team with a 10-year plan, boy, does that sound familiar, focusing just on DC. We believe we can build a much more sustainable business. Now, it's very similar to the structure that Alan Horn, Bob Iger, and Kevin Feige put together very effectively at Disney. He also said, quote, we're excited about, and here it comes, Black Adam, Shazam 2, and the fucking Flash, We've seen them, and we think they're terrific, and we think we can make them even better. You're going to fucking protect the brand by associating a very unstable, most likely mentally demented, and in all seriousness, dangerous person like Ezra Miller, and you're going to brand the Flash logo to that? That's protecting the fucking brand? I think not, sir. I think not. Exactly. Because, I mean, after all of this shit blows over, are you going to plan to make a second Flash film? That will really make us question David Zasloff as a CEO and as a human being. So it's going to be fucking ridiculous. I mean, I just, I don't get, first of all, too, with the whole addressing the the 10-year plan, DC is not Marvel. It will not work. You can try all you want. It's not good. These are different characters in a different world. They're two drastically different approaches to the character. So it's it's not going to work. You can try to emulate it, but you've got to do your own thing. Exactly. And this is not it. And by the way, the latest, if you guys aren't, this is a guy, we're talking about Ezra Miller, okay, that he believes in, apparently not Leslie Grace, but he believes in Ezra Miller, who has been arrested for abuse. He got abusive with the cops who arrested him. He has a restraining order against someone who he choked on a karaoke stage. He has allegedly groomed a 12-year-old child for God knows how long and most recently has been allegedly accused of keeping a woman and her children against their will at his house where there are guns and drugs out in the open. He believes in that guy. Yeah. What the fuck? A fucking psychopath, kidnapping, arrogant son of a bitch. Like, it makes no sense. Like, just, it's not the same. Like you said, it's not the same. Fucking just make it rated R. Make these superheroes rated R, and I feel like that's the right way to de- do the DCEU. In my opinion, that's my fucking opinion. But Warner Brothers is set to still release a Joker Foley double gross uh, in theaters, aka the Joker sequel, October 4th of 2024. And we talked about the rumors before. Well, they are confirmed that Lady Gaga is confirmed in the casting of the films by posting a musical teaser to social media. She will star opposite of Joaquin Phoenix, returning to the role as the Joker after winning the Oscar for the Best Actor, thanks to his performance in 2019's first installment. Gaga has been circling the role of Harvey Quinn, Harley Quinn, in the upcoming sequel, which is set to be a musical since June. This is another dumb decision. Like, why would you do this? You know, I, I thought you knew the character. I mean, I thought you knew the twisted, demented fucking character that is the Joker. 
but you're going to make it into a musical? What? That's no. almost like fucking Jared Leto being the Joker. This 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 is a prime example. You just said it. This is a prime example of them not understanding the characters. I don't give a shit how long of a 10-year plan you have if you don't understand the characters within your you within your content, it's going to fail. The reason the first Joker did a billion dollars is because he was fucking psycho and crazy, which is what Joker is. He's not a fucking musical. Like, if this was, like, a scene in it where Joker was, like, maniacally killing people and maiming them as he's dancing around singing for, like, five minutes in a scene or something, all in, okay? Yeah, I could see Joker being fucking crazy like that. But the whole fucking film of music? No. And Lady Gaga, I love Lady Gaga. She's a great actress. She's proven herself. Phenomenal singer. She's not fucking Harley Quinn. No. She's not. You have fucking Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie, what the fuck are you doing? And this is just another example of Warner Brothers Discovery and DC just making things so confusing. Like, it just makes you, like, pick favorites, basically. And, like, why am I watching this if we already have one that's already really fucking good? Yeah. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, I'm really disappointed in Todd Phillips because I thought I thought he did better. I thought I, he would do better. I know. Who's he caving to? Because the first Joker was fucking brilliant. I know. I don't know. Who's got something on you, bro? Well, it's not just the DC properties, though, uh, that has been causing concerns to the fans. Now, the upcoming thing that is on the chopping block is Scoob Holly Holiday Haunt. The follow-up to the 2022 or the 2020 film Scoob has been shelved by the studio. Footage uh, for the animated adaptation of Scooby-Doo series has been showcased in a, as a sizzle reel for HBO Max back in uh, December of 2021. Sources indicate that the production had cost Warner Brothers $40 million. It doesn't make any sense. That no. was a good family-friendly film. What are you doing? Yeah, well, and apparently that's the thing because I, I just read recently that, that Cartoon Network is in trouble too. He's axing all the family content, the family-friendly and children's content. Why? Hello? It's built on fucking Bugs Bunny. Your whole fucking empire is built on Bugs Bunny. How can you get rid of children's content? I just don't even understand the move. It's not all he's doing, though. Warner Brothers Discovery's also been very quietly removing content from HBO Max. Have you guys seen it? Including several Warner Brothers movies that were exclusively streaming on the service. Within the past few weeks, at least six Warner Brothers movies have been removed from HBO Max. Moonshot, Super Intelligence, Robert Zemeckis' 2020 remake of The Witches, and American Pickle, Seth Rogen's film, Locked Down, and the drama Charm City Kings. All off there. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad if you liked them. Sorry. He's out of there. And it doesn't make any sense because those were originals. That was the only place you could see those. Why? Yeah. What, is, what is the point of that? <sighs> well, White Lotus, HBO's anthology series about life among the wealthy and dissatisfied at uh, the chain of an upscale resort will premiere its second installment in October, announced the cast members for season two of The One and Only White Lotus. Now, this one includes Jennifer Coolidge, F. Murray Abraham, Adam McCaro, uh, Tom Holland, ha- Hollander, um, Michael Implory, Audrey Plaza, Holly Lou Richardson, Theo James, Megan Fye, Will Sharp, and Leo Woodall. 
Now, White returns as the writer and director. So there's that. <laughs> hey, hey, at least you were lucky enough to survive. That's, I mean, exactly. that's all you got to say about that. Now, our Flash, America's Flash, the world's Flash, the upstanding gentleman, Grant Gustin, who portrays our Flash, sadly will no longer be on our screens coming up. The Flash will end its upcoming ninth season at the CW. Uh, Production on season nine of the beloved DC series is set to begin in September with the final season now slated to debut in 2023. The season will consist of only 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. And upon the completion of the ninth season, The Flash will be one of the longest running CW shows ever. The Flash is also the longest running of the CW's modern DC shows edging out shows like Arrow, which was eight seasons, and Legends of Tomorrow, which was seven seasons. The Flash has remained consistently popular throughout its run and ended season eight as one of the CW's most watched shows and also ranked among its most streamed titles. With it now ending, the only current DC shows on the CW are Superman and Lois, Stargirl, and the upcoming Gotham Knights. Don't get too attached to Gotham Knights, though. I'm hearing rumors that that one's next on Zasloff's chopping block, so I swear to God, if he fucking gets rid of Stargirl and Superman and Lois, I might just drive down to Burbank. Right. Like, like <laughs> it's just so crazy that you're literally canceling your good, your best shit. Like, it makes no sense, mm-hmm. man. I mean, well, <sighs> that was Warner Brothers. We let it all out. I'm sure you could tell we had some feelings on it. It's good. It's fine. They're still fucking up, but we got to get through the rest. Well, Paramount, Rebel Wilson, is getting ready to serve as star of Double Fault, a tennis comedy in development at oh. Paramount Pictures. Players label Jim and Brian Kahu. Kahau uh, are the brothers who wrote the 2019 uh, high school comedy Blockers are in talks to pin the screenplay. The logline is being kept under wraps, but anything Rebel does, I mean, it's basically a hit. Her as a tennis player is going to be fucking hilarious. I agree. I mean, that's going to be really good. Okay, you know we love Amy Rutberg, who, if you didn't know, is in the writer's room on NCIS Hawaii now. Did you know that? How fucking awesome is that? Well, the NCIS and NCIS Hawaii teams are uniting for a crossover event as their respective season openers next month. Mm. The episodes will premiere Monday Monday, September 19th on CBS will feature the DC team of NCIS traveling to Hawaii in order to stop a dangerous suspect from filling their next attack. The event will also be available to stream live and on demand on Paramount Plus. So anytime they cross over, it's always good. Yeah, for sure. Well, Showtime has elected against moving forward with the second season of the anthology series, The First Lady. The decision comes a little over six weeks after the series aired its first season finale on the network. Now, the first season of the anthology series cut between three different eras of the White House following the political and private lives of Eleanor Roosevelt, Betty Ford, and Michelle Obama. Now, it had an amazing cast, but I think it was just too much happening. Did you ever get a chance to watch it? I did, and I was not a fan. I was really looking forward to that one. I'm a huge political guy. I'm a huge history guy, and I'm thinking all in on this. I was with you. It just didn't catch. It wasn't just me, or what was Viola Davis doing with her mouth? (laughs) Okay, like that, I mean, that was like one of the reasons I did not, I couldn't stop. I love Viola Davis, but what was she doing with her mouth? I... You, no you know answer. what I'm saying? Though? I know what you're yeah, saying. Like, no, it, it was weird. It was not weird. sure that's the reason it didn't catch fire. No. But I mean, you know, for it, whatever. It was so annoying. It was very <laughs> distracting. But anyway. Hey, guess what? 
Paramount also, Paramount Global, that's the parent company of Paramount, also had their quarter two earnings report this week, and they're doing much fucking better than Warner Brothers. Paramount Plus kept hiking up the streaming mountain in the second quarter, as some rivals have stumbled, as we know. In announcing quarter two earnings, Paramount Global said its flagship Paramount Plus service now has 43.3 million paid customers. That's a net add of 3.7 million for the June quarter, including 1.2 million disconnects in Russia. Now, the total streaming subscribers globally reached 63.7 million in the second quarter. That's a gain of 1.7 million. Backing out uh, Paramount Plus, the company's other OTT services dropped 2.4 million subs overall. Paramount does not break out the numbers of subscribers for Showtime or its other direct-to-consumer services, which include BET Plus and Noggin, but I bet they're doing pretty good, too. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations, Paramount Plus, because you're the only one that's doing pretty good this week uh paramount plus has also released the official trailer of the sixth and final Uh, season of the good fight uh, which is set to premiere exclusively to paramount plus on thursday september 8th uh the 10 episode final season follows diane as she struggles to uh with the sense of deja vu following the overturning of roe v wade to voting rights to cold war aggressions returning the good fight star christine barlowski and john slatery and sarah Steele, uh, michael boatman Naomi, Naomi, um, and so many others are coming back, of course. Alan Cumming and Carrie Preston yes. also guest star, so yes. that's exciting. I'm so excited to have Eli back. I, I fucking love Alan Cumming's character on that show on The Good Wife, and I was so wanting him to be on The Good Fight, so now that he's going to be there, it's going to be fucking epic. I love that show. For sure. And uh, let's see. This is exciting. This is going to be pretty good, I think. Everybody Still Hates Chris, an animated reboot of Chris Rock's Everybody Hates Chris, has been greenlit by MTV studios to run on paramount plus and comedy central now like the original series which ran on upn that's right united paramount network yeah remember that one no and later the cw everybody hates chris will feature rock narrating stories inspired by his experiences growing up as a nerd in the large working class family in bed stewie brooklyn during the 1980s i think this is going to be a huge resurgence the show was a hit then i think the animated version is going to be a hit and we all know everybody's on chris rag's band wagon right now so i think it's gonna be huge for sure for sure well milo mainheim uh is set to lead opposite of peyton list in the paramount plus series school spirits a young adult drama based on the upcoming graphic novel by nate and megan uh trinrod and uh mira nugan now school spirits focuses on a teen stuck in the afterlife who decides to investigate uh, her mysterious disappearance alongside a group of other students who are also stuck in limbo in their high school. Uh, Mannheim will play Wally, a lovable ghost from the 1980s, who in his glory days was the star high school football player. That's a very interesting concept. Yeah. I like that. I'm excited for that one. I am too. The question is Peyton List, of course, everybody, bad girl on Cobra Kai. What does yeah. that mean for her character there? Did Was she able to balance the shooting schedule? Will we see less of her in the upcoming season Cobra Kai? I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. Uh, this is exciting. I know you're excited about this one. Ink Master is returning on September 7th with a brand new host and a crop of judges. Calm down. Brand new host doesn't mean he's not going to be there. I'll tell you in a second. The iconic series, which will air exclusively on Paramount Plus, has set good Charlotte singer Joel Madden as host, along with season eight winner Ryan Ashley, celebrity tattoo artist Nico Hurtado, and industry veteran Arnie James as judges. 
Now, here, I said, I promised. Former host Dave Navarro will still appear on the show as the master of chaos and will introduce crazy twists and game-changing bombs to the competition. According to the press release, the show's 10-episode comeback season, legendary fan-favorite artist will return to compete for the biggest prize yet, $250,000, and of course, the title of Ink Master. Very excited about that one. I mean, it got canceled on air, but they told us it was coming back for the streaming platform. And, of course, there was some controversy with some judges. Um, But still, I'm very excited because bringing (laughs) back one of the the winners, Ashley, she is an amazing artist and one of uh, Emily's favorite, Little Cam's favorite. So that'll be fun to watch. For sure. Uh, NBC Universal and Daoud is joining the ensemble of The Exorcist, which is being billed as both a new take on the Demonic Possession classic, as well as the first film in the planned trilogy. The veteran character actress, best known for her work as the chilling enforcer of dystopian discipline on The Handmaid's Tale, will appear alongside Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr. and Ellen Burstyn, who is reprising her role from the original film as Chris McNeil. Blumhouse and Morgan Creek are producing the movie for Universal's and Peacock. The first film in the new Exorcist saga will be released theatrically on October 13th of 2023. This is a mistake. Yeah, yeah, you know. The fucking Exorcist, Linda Blair, Spinning Head, Demonic... You're never going to make it better than it was made originally. I'm sorry. I don't know what this is. I just... I don't know. Peacock has given a straight-to-series order to the coming-of-age thriller Hysteria. Now, in the show, a beloved varsity quarterback disappears during a satanic panic of the late 1980s. A struggling high school heavy metal band of outcasts realize they can capitalize on the town's sudden interest in the occult by building a reputation as a satanic metal band until a bizarre series of murders, kidnappings, and reported supernatural activity triggers a leather-studded witch hunt that leads directly back to them. Oh, shit. Oh. A lot of stuff like that right now. That's so funny. I bet a lot of Kiss music is going to be in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. You would think. The Knights in Satan service. (laughs) Well, this next one is interesting (laughs) because, I mean, I feel like this type of genre of television is dying slowly but surely. Days of Our Lives is moving to Peacock. The long-running NBC soap opera is officially moving to the Universal-owned streaming platform starting September 12th. Now, it has aired on NBC since its first launch back in 1965. I bet you remember that. Um, Currently, (laughs) currently the show airs daily on NBC, while past episodes are available to stream on Peacock as we speak. Peacock previously aired the spinoff Days of Our Lives Beyond Salem in September of 2021, a second installment of that series having aired on Peacock in July. Now, the spinoff film Days of Our Lives, A Very Salem Christmas, aired in December of 2021. So, I don't know. That's very interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I wasn't around in 65. The, 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 the soap opera's actually older than I am, but that's crazy. After 60 fucking years, yeah. it's going to the streaming exactly. service. That is just not... In the summer of 65. That's not the lyrics, but it's fine. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's jump on over to Sony. They've got actually two stories about films that don't include anything to do with Spider-Man. Facts. What? Are we in a different dimension, a different universe? What's going on? The Brad Pitt vehicle bullet train should take number one on the domestic charts at the box office this weekend. The film earned $12.6 million from 4,357 locations yesterday and is projecting a $30 million debut. Now, that's a solid performance for an original but the film's going to have to keep chugging a little bit better than that throughout August to recoup its $90 million production mm. budget, which means it has to make $180 million to even break even. The film's all-star cast should help with that, though. Apparently, too, it's got a lot of cameos. I could see it. I could definitely see it. It seems like one of those uh, Anchorman-type things. Sure. It reminds me a lot of, like, Kill Bill meets fucking, like, I don't know, man. It's, Unstoppable. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. very, like, kung fu, like, comedy type of thing. Sure. I think it's hilarious, though. I think if we were in normal times, though, it wouldn't have even broke 20, 25, yeah. to yeah. be honest. So 30, I think it's doing really well. Um, Maybe they should have had everybody's kung fu fighting while they're fighting on the train. Yeah, right. That would have been great. That would have been hilarious. Brad Pitt looked like he's having a blast fucking promoting this thing. Yeah, he does look like he was having fun. Yeah. Well, the world's most famous fat cat is coming back to theater soon. That's right. The one and only Garfield, an animated film starring Chris Pratt as the famous Jim Davis comic strip character, will premiere in theaters February 16th of 2024. In addition to Pratt, the film will also star uh, motherfucking Samuel Jackson as a brand new character to the Garfield universe. Oh. Vic, who is the father of the oh, orange no. feline. Uh, the, the plot will bring Garfield's father <laughs> back into his life. Remains under wraps about how that will go. Although there are no other cast members that have been announced, the film is presumably um, feature classic characters from the franchise, including his owner, of course, John, and, of course, his best friend, Odie, the dim-witted puppy. Yes. So it should be good. I'm super excited about that. For sure. I love Garfield. <laughs> Just the idea of Garfield's dad cat played by Samuel L. Jackson. So good. I'm so in. Hey, good thing this was over there at Sony, right? Because uh, <laughs> Zasloff would have fucking got rid of it. Exactly. An animated family-friendly film. Film. Fuck it! <laughs> I just don't even know. Hey, Lionsgate's doing pretty good also, which is a good sign because they're trying to sell that shit. Subscriber growth at Stars lifted shares of Lionsgate in After Hours trading, giving investors optimism that the media company will be able to demand top dollar when it finalizes plans to sell off the cable streamer. Now, streaming subscribers jumped to 28.3 million worldwide, a 57% year-over-year increase. On the earnings call this week, Lionsgate CEO John Feithheimer said that potential buyers are also interested in the company's film studio, suggesting that Amazon's 8.5 billion dollar purchase of MGM had made Lionsgate a more attractive target. Makes sense, man. It makes sense. There's a lot of different things shifting around right now in the entertainment uh-huh. industry. These past like five years, it's been insane. I'm telling man. you, the Outlander prequel series. At Stars is officially moving forward. Oh, the finally. show <laughs> will be titled Outlander, Blood of My Blood. 
What? Um, Blood Brothers. What? Um, it will focus on the love story between <laughs> Jamie Fraser's parents, Diana Gublin, the author of the novel series, on which Outlier, Outlander is based, will serve as consulting producer on the series. So that's very exciting. I can tell you, this is one that's like a huge hit, has a massive following. I've never fucking seen an episode of it. One day I almost watched it. <laughs> one day I almost watched it. That's as far as I can go. I like watched season one's trailer. And I I thought about clicking on it, and I was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Hey, speaking of that MGM, which is now in the Amazon family, let's jump on over to there. I I didn't think Working Girl should be remade from the 80s, and I definitely do not think this one should be remade, but apparently it's going to be. Jake Gyllenhaal is now officially set to star in Roadhouse, a reimagined take on the classic movie starring Patrick Swayze for Amazon Prime. Now, Doug Lyman will direct the new movie from a script written by Anthony Bargosi and Charles Mundry. After producing the original film for MGM in 1989, Joel Silver is back on board to produce the reimagining for his company Silver Pictures. Mm. Now, reports that Hall and Lyman were circling the project broke all the way back in November of 2021. Prime Video officially announced the production's impending start earlier this week. Now, according to the studio, the new take stars Hall as a former UFC fighter who takes a job as a bouncer at a rough-and-tumble roadhouse in the Florida Keys, but soon discovers that not everything is what it seems in this tropical paradise. And in what would mark his first acting job in a major studio movie two-time UFC champion Conor McGregor is set to join Gyllenhaal in the film which makes sense because they're playing UFC guys so I mean that only makes sense right while exact details of uh, behind who McGregor will be playing are unknown sources made it clear he would be playing an original character and not himself in the project the Amazon original movie is set to go into production in the Dominican Republic this month Roadhouse will stream on Prime Video in more than 240 countries and territories worldwide. Why? It's such a cult classic. Why do we got to remake it? I know. Everything? It's such a fucking epic film. Like, yeah. don't fuck with epic films. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, man. It doesn't make any it doesn't. sense. It doesn't. This is badass, though. I love it. I'm super excited. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is entering the sports world in a big screen way. The acclaimed rapper is set to star in Metro Goldwyn Mayer's upcoming sports comedy film, The Underdogs, and it will produce the or uh, and will produce the movie alongside Blackish creator Kenya Barris. In addition to starring in the project, Snoop will also produce the film via his Death Row Pictures banner, uh, set for a theatrical release on October 20th of 2023 now underdogs is described by the studio as bad news bears in the world of youth football <laughs> snoop dog stars as uh jason jennings uh two j's a former nfl star who has a run-in with the law and winds up coaching a youth football in lieu of going to prison in hopes to relaunching his uh failing career this kind of sounds like mighty ducks 
football. A little bit. Football but, Mighty Ducks. Yeah, but I really like, if you guys don't know, too, Snoop is heavily involved in the L.A. community in youth football programs. Yeah. He funds a ton of them, uniforms and all that. kind. So that's like, I love yeah. this. It's He's literally like, a coach. If you go on Netflix, he has a series of him being a yeah. coach. So, I mean, this is perfect. And I love it. Underdogs with double Gs. Double G. Of course, you got to have double Gs, right? Amazon is apparently rounding out the cast for the upcoming fourth season of the Emmy-nominated superhero series, The Boys. Valerie Curry from The Lost Symbol and Susan Hayward from Orange is the New Black are joining as new series regulars for the upcoming season. And Cameron Crovetti, who recurred as Ryan, the son of Homelander, uh, in seasons two and three, has been promoted to a series regular for season four. That makes sense, because you could see that building. Crovetti has appeared in eight episodes over both seasons. Curry is set to play Firecracker, and Hayward will play Sister Sage. Mm. So I'm excited. That's Very gonna be cool. Good. Yeah, for sure. Well, heading over to Netflix, Stranger Things Writer's Room has been officially started on the fifth and final season. Oh. See you like five years from now on the Netflix <laughs> Netflix series. The official Twitter account for the show's writer room, Stranger Writers, announced the news on Tuesday in a tweet captioned day one. The account posted a picture of the writer's board uh, embolized with the logo for the final season. Hopefully they make this shit happen quicker though because I mean they saw how fucking excited people were. So For sure. We'll see. For sure. This one sounds like an updated Turner and Hooch. Uh, but I'm still in. Or K9, you know, with uh, James Belushi. I- I'm still in, though, because it sounds like it's going to be fucking hilarious. Netflix has Dave Batista circling to star in Unleashed. Now, he'll play a police officer who's best friends with a K9 partner that can sniff out any crime. But when that buddy of his, Boomer, dies on the job, he pledges no more pooch partners until he's teamed with Zeus. So, I mean, that's all we know so far. But Batista with a dog as a cop, I think it's going to be fucking hilarious. Yeah, I think that'll be pretty good. Well, Academy Award winner Kathy Bates and actor Liza Koshy have joined the cast of the upcoming romantic comedy film for Netflix. The film, which is currently untitled, is headlined by former The Paperboy co-stars Nicole Kidman and Zac Efron, as well as Kissing Booth lead Joey King. Hmm. According to the logline, the film will focus on a young woman, her mother, and her movie star boss as a surprising romance kicks off comedy consequences for the trio are forcing them to face complications of love, sex, and identity. So let me, okay, so I'm guessing Nicole Kidman, mom, Zac Efron, movie star boss, Joey King, the assistant, now is movie star boss fucking mom, and then the daughter falls in that? Is that the complication? This is what I'm wondering. I uh, okay, it, I, I feel like it's going to be funny. Though. Yeah, it should be all funny. Right. <laughs> hey, Kimmy Rutledge has landed a lead role opposite Nick Zeno and Shelley Henning in Obliterated, Netflix's hour-long action comedy series from Cobra Kai creators John Hurwitz, Hayden Schlossenberg, and Josh Heald. This is a big break for the Seattle-based Rutledge and marks the young actor's first major role. Now, she replaces Am- Amelia Yu, who originally had been cast in the series from Sony Pictures Television. The eight-episode series now in production tells the story of an elite special forces team who thwarts a deadly threat to Las Vegas. After their celebratory party filled with booze, drugs, and sex, the team discovers that a bomb they deactivated 
was fake. The now intoxicated team has to fight through their impairments, overcome their personal issues, find the real bomb, and save the world. Rutledge, who is of Japanese descent, plays the series' regular role of Maya, a young NSA tech expert in the field, for the first time and wildly out of her element. Oh. That's going to be really fun. Yeah, right? There's a lot happening there. Well, Netflix has decided not to pick up First Kill for a second season. Are we surprised? Not at all. The news comes nearly two months after the streamer debuted all eight episodes of the Teenage Vampire series, first season in early June. Sources close to the matter maintain that Netflix is proud of the work that producers, cast, and crew put on this series, though the decision came down to a matter of viewing numbers and various costs. Yeah, so. did you see the follow-up on that? The, the creators of the show and the people, they're fucking fuming. They said that it didn't get viewers because it got no marketing and no advertising yeah, and nobody say, knew it was I on. I feel like this is the first thing I'm hearing about. Yeah, it, so, so I, I would not be surprised if you see some sort of a lawsuit coming there. It's yeah, just fucking just making crazy. sense. Uh, jumping on over to Apple, Jordan Christie from Why Women Kill has signed on for a recurring role in Apple TV Plus's limited series the Big Cigar. He joins an ensemble led by Andre Holland that also includes Alessandro Nivola, Tiffany Boone, PJ Byrne, and Mark McCana. As we've told you on previous episodes, the six-episode series based on a Playboy magazine article by Joshua Behrman Argo tells the extraordinary, hilarious, almost too good to be true story of how Black Panther leader Huey P. Newton relied on his best friend, Burt Schneider, the Hollywood producer behind Easy Rider, to elude the nationwide manhunt and escape to Cuba while being pursued in exile by the FBI. Now, Christie will play Newton's friend and Black Panther Party co-finder Bobby Seale, mm. who bonded with Newton over repeated incarnations and infiltration by the FBI before deciding to leave the party. Very interesting. Yeah, man. That's a lot happening. That is. But I mean, you know, I feel like Amazon likes that type of shit. They always go out there <laughs> for that different type of like spy thriller type yeah. situation. They so, do. And uh, this is a true story, so it's going to be good. For sure. For sure. Well, now it is time for our guest segment, man. Yes. We got the one and only uh, William B. Davis coming on the show to talk about his roles in basically everything. Yeah, I'd love to. Of course, we talk about the iconic role of the cigarette smoking man from X-Files, which just plastered him into pop culture fame forever. But we're really talking to him about his book that he's now written on acting and in life. Yes. And it's just like it's it's kind of like a mix between a memoir and a how-to in acting. And this guy started when he was 12, like yeah. 6 decades ago, y'all. So there's a lot of experience that he kind of shares with everybody. You do not want to miss this interview. No, you really don't. You really don't. Well, here he is. William B. Davis, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, man, we're doing fantastic. Living the dream. Yes. Living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> we're super excited to have you here because, man, oh, man, you are a legend in this entertainment industry that we love. Yes, and sir. There's so much to talk about. Of course, you have a book that's out right now, yep. and it's all about, you know, your experiences, part memoir, part, you know, different learning experiences, which we're super excited to talk about. But first, for the listeners, who aren't necessarily familiar with your work, we want to introduce you to our audience. Let them know how you got started and why you got fall, fell in love with acting. <laughs> well, it was actually, <clears throat> actually almost, it was almost, well, I wouldn't want to say accidental, but it was coincidental. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, my cousins, uh, half a generation older than I, ran a summer theater company in Ontario in Canada. 
and they rehearsed in Toronto uh, before they went north for the summer season. They needed a place to rehearse. They rehearsed in the basement of our house. <laughs> <laughs> so as it happened in their second season, they needed a boy of age 10, roughly speaking, and I was roughly speaking age 10. <laughs> so I was, I was launched into it. And uh, so I did this, uh, this show in the Summer Theatre Company. And uh, that was how I got started. From there, I got a, a, uh, an acting instructor. And then I, well, this will date me, but then we got, I got an audition for CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Network. Mm-hmm. Or radio drama. Yes. Yeah. We did not have television then. And Toronto, major metropolis though it is, home of the Blue Jays, had no movie, th- <laughs> no film either. So radio drama was where it was at. And it was at. There was a lot of it. And um, that's how I got kickstarted into the business. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, I mean, I just got to say, even now, your voice is impeccable. We love hearing you just talk. But I'm sure back then your voice was still absolutely amazing. So I, I mean, love that. Yeah, radio serials, that's that's where it was at. I mean, that that's how everybody got it done back then. I mean, I, I don't think people even realize, like, Lucille Ball, like, radio, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like all these iconic yeah. television figures did radio. <laughs> so, I mean, exactly. it only makes sense. Exactly, yeah. And, and, well, okay, so as a young man, you're doing radio, you're kind of lining up this and, and getting it done. And then, oh, wait a minute. And, well, and then what happened was, you see, it wasn't this lovely voice that I was using. It was my pre-adolescent <laughs> voice that I was making my living on. And when it switched to this voice, yes. they didn't want me anymore. They had lots of older people who could do what I could do. <laughs> <laughs> so radio acting kind of dried up. And But in a couple of years later, I went to the University of Toronto. And there I was involved in a very extensive extracurricular program in in theater and started to act and direct nice nice that's what i was going to ask was the transition from radio to theater first because as you said there was no tv yet there was no so it was a transition from radio to theater right exactly yeah exactly yeah how was that transition talk about that because i imagine radio you're right there by the microphone right and then theater all of a sudden you've got to be like shouting to the back right (laughs) well i was doing both at the same time Okay. Because I was still, I mean, I did that one summer play, but then I kept doing uh, more plays with them in the summertime. Um, so I was doing both all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but radio was really fascinating because uh, it was live then. Right. I mean, exactly what we did went straight into people's living rooms. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, if you made a mistake, too bad. You made a mistake. <laughs> and in that sense, it was like it was like the theater because you started at the beginning and you went to the end. Now, when we shoot audio drama, as we call it, uh, now it's shot like a film and it's mm. shot in pieces and it's edited together and it's mixed and all that stuff. Um, but then it was live. And even in our, like a big show um, with an orchestra, uh, and live actors, and then a producer up in the booth who has to control all the timing of the sound effects, right. the orchestra, the blah, 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 blah. It was a major, uh, a major skill, a major thing. Um, it's funny, I was just watching a, uh, a video about Harold Pinter because I'm doing a 
Harold Pinter play. And it talked about his, their early plays that he'd, early television plays that they did. And that was a part of the world that I didn't do a lot of. But first television drama was done very differently than it is now. It was, mm-hmm. you, you rehearsed in a rehearsal room for two weeks or whatever, and then you went in and you shot it in a couple of days with moving cameras and whatever. <clears throat> now it's made like a movie. Right. But, yeah. And, I mean, that, I, that's that's beyond interesting to me. Like, like just hearing how it's all done and how it's evolved and, and, and how it's got – I mean, it's that type stuff that the up-and-comers – are interested in right like like well how, how was it how is it now where do i fit in am i you know where, well, where do i find my groove and, and what's coming yes mm-hmm. how do you know what's coming uh, i mean i was actually turned down by the bbc mm-hmm. when i applied to learn this directing technique for uh, television drama mm-hmm. but it's probably just as well because <laughs> That only went along for a few years, and then it all changed. You're right. So people who had developed this skill, then they were out of work, or they had to adapt to a new skill. They had learned to do it a new way. So, so maybe the first thing to say to your up-and-comer is be flexible. Mm. Be open. Try different things. Uh, work in different media. Work in different uh, methods of production. Um, Check it all out because we don't really know where it's going to go. I mean, now with streaming is the thing, and and for an actor, that's interesting because it suggests a kind of acting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that tells the audience you're really there. You're really this person. This is really happening to you. <laughs> the audience does not want to see you dramatizing or how cleverly you can act. They want to see you be that person. Right. Right. Uh, uh, and that's probably not going to change. Yeah. Uh, I was just about to ask in the sense of, you know, trying to pick what roles you want for your career and how to, you know, I guess make a, make a roadmap for and implant yourself into the entertainment industry. How do you go about choosing the roles that you think would be right for you? Do you talk to your agent or do you talk to yourself and try to figure out what niche you fit in or how does that work for you personally? Well, the pause is intentional because (laughs) (laughs) that's not how we do it. Um, I mean, yes, if you're Hugh Grant or whatever, maybe do that. But if you're a working actor in the trenches, Mm -hmm. you get what you get. Mm. Uh, And and you don't, you're not choosing, oh, I would prefer to do this, I'd rather do that. Right. It depends quite a lot on, I mean, in my case, it depended, because I live in Vancouver right Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. it what kind of movies and TV shows are shot here. Um, Sci-fi might not have been my choice. Uh, If I'd stayed in Toronto, I might have done more character-driven drama. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't choose to play the cigarette-smoking man. (laughs) I was cast as this strange figure who (laughs) hung around and smoked cigarettes and looked menacing. And... uh, Only then, only after time, did that actually develop and become a major role. But um, 
Uh, it's not that you shouldn't plan, but I think I think you're ahead of yourself when you're saying what kind of roles, what kind of right. But but how you approach the business, mm-hmm. how you how you build your career, how you train, how how you learn the craft, how you how you find a way to show that you've learned the craft, right. how you find an agent, how you find a way to connect. All that is important to do. Yes, mm. yes, and then just to be like open to things, I guess, because, you know, a lot of people go out to LA or they go out to Atlanta or Vancouver and they have stars in their eyes. They want to be the next big thing. They want to, you know, be that next leading man, but you have to be open to development and you have to be open to change and fitting into particular roles that you didn't even think about before, you know? And I think that is something that is very important for up and comers to realize and kind of bring them back to earth, I guess you could say that, cause you know, it, there's nothing wrong for shooting for the stars, but to, you know, do it in a, I don't want to say safe manner, but do you got to earn your keep? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I think if you want to, <clears throat> if you want to be an actor, mm-hmm. you have to want to act. There yes. we go. Yeah. You have to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be famous, well, go on TikTok. I don't know. There, there we go. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. There you go. So, okay. Well, I, I want to ask this question then because I think this is kind of interesting and, and it happened to you and it, it happens to many people, I, w- I would assume. But as you said, you know, when you initially got cast and you brought it up, so we have to talk about it, uh, as the cigarette smoking man, right? It was supposed to be just like a, a one shot guest type thing. And then they were like, oh, well, okay, let's have him back for some more cameos. Let's have him. And then it just exploded. So when, you, when you're hired and you know, okay, this is just a little one-time thing, and, 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 but then it clicks like that, right? And, and pop culture catches it, and now you're, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Everybody's talking about you and everything. How do you deal with that? Because I'm sure the approach going in, like you said, it's just like, hey, I got the gig. I'm taking everything that's coming my way. This is exciting. But then all of a sudden – this one gig is now everybody's talking about you. Talk about that and the process of being a working actor and yeah. having to deal with all of a sudden, and I guess it would be a little bit easier pre-social media, but but all of a sudden you're like the guy everybody's talking about. Everybody knows who you are. and kind of, What is that like when it just goes from that to all of a sudden right. everybody knows who you are? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's certainly it's a rush. It's a change. I mean, as I say, I didn't become a star until I was 52 or 53. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I had worked. I had made a living in, as an actor, as a theater director, as, a, as an acting teacher. I had my own acting school. Um, so I was a respected member of the profession, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, but that I would become, I, don't, I never like to use the word star, but, but a, a celebrity or become famous, famous, uh, that everybody recognized me and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and they wanted my autograph and all of that. Yes, that was a, that was a major change. Uh, the first time I really was really kind of conscious of it. I was in a, I was in a, an electronic store buying something. I don't know what, and, uh, the server, you know, he wanted to get his picture with me. Yeah. Okay. But then I realized he was shaking. He was so excited to be standing beside me that he was shaking. And I thought, what, 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 what? I'm just me, you know, I'm just a guy who's doing a job, you know. 
<laughs> but uh, but then you yeah. get that realization, right? For the like, and I'm sure not for the first time, but to, that you realize what you do, art matters. It, it it matters to people, and you can you can literally change lives with what you're doing. It's entertaining, it's fun, it's work. You love doing it, but a lot of people are so like taken by the art and taken by what you create that it changes their lives. Like you said, this guy was shaking just to be next to you. That's, that's a power that, that you realize that the art has, right? Well, I'll, I'll qualify that slightly. It's, it's a power that entertainment has. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was watching a video. I don't know. There was uh, Joni Mitchell was doing something. Um, some thing just recently and everybody's cheering for her blah 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 and she sings and she's terrible her voice is too old she can't hold a note but everybody thinks it's wonderful i think oh my god uh but anyway i shouldn't probably say that but <clears throat> i'm not an expert on singing so i could be all wrong she didn't deliver. Uh, but because when when i work in the theater or sometimes in a small film or whatever one may uh, explore depths of human understanding mm -hmm. and, and creation that we don't do with the X-Files. Right. The X-Files right. is a big show. <coughs> and I'm also doing, um, I'm about to shoot season three of Upload. I don't know if you... Yeah, absolutely. Interesting, fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Do. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but again, I don't know that we're changing anybody's life. We're entertaining and uh but when i think about really changing a life you know i think of more serious drama to be sure to be a snobbish about it i suppose and shakespeare and chekhov um so what i like in my life is that i get to do it all because i mean right now i'm doing preliminary rehearsals for a pinter, pinter play no man's land that we're going to actually do on stage next uh next fall and that's a very different kind of experience than doing upload or doing x-file sure yeah. yeah that's very interesting and you bringing up you know going back to the classic shakespeare and different things like that do you think in today's climate in hollywood that they could put out a film like you know say the original Romeo and Juliet, or some more Shakespeare plays. I know uh, Denzel Washington just did Macbeth. Um, do you think that that can appeal to mass audiences, or do you think that um, it, it like stereotype or it goes into just a certain particular audience? Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Um, and it's both. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, there's a, there's a particular audience that would gravitate to it, but yeah. yes, definitely. I mean, there have been some very successful Shakespeare productions. Yeah. I mean, there was the Julius Caesar years ago with mm, uh, Bob yep. Brando and whatever, and mm -hmm. um, Cleopatra. And uh, there have been some, I mean, I'm going back a ways. But, uh, um, but it's interesting because Los Angeles and Hollywood mm -hmm. is a particular kind of world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, I prefer to think of London. Because in London they do it all. Yeah, there you go. You know, excellent theaters, and they have excellent movies and excellent television. Mm -hmm. Actors move easily back and forth between the the, the media. Um, 
but but America somehow, I mean, traditionally got separated. Mm -hmm. the, the theater stayed in New York, and the movies went to Hollywood. And right. Plus. <laughs> I mean, that's broken down more now, partly because people travel a lot more easily than they did originally. Right. So I think you know more movies are made in New York than there were, and there's more theater going up happening in L.A. than there was. So it's not totally separated, but mm -hmm. but you want to be. Uh, it's best to have have it all if you can. Absolutely. Yes, completely agreed. So, well, I, I just I, I want to kind of bring up one more thing before we start talking about the book, but like the the transition, because like you said, we never know what's next, what's going to happen, what's kind of a thing. And so how do you feel right now about the drama, you know, the dialogue driven, the story driven dramas um, not getting the attention that they they might rightfully deserve you know they're lucky if they can get on 1500 2000 screens because the cinemas are not giving up the screens because they need avengers on there or they need how do you feel about that like isn't it i i hate it i hate that i can't see my drama i've got to drive 40 miles to a theater that's actually showing it you know because my theater won't give up screens so uh, what's your thought on that well <clears throat> yeah i mean i i mean i totally agree with you i mean <clears throat> I mean the the the, the um, economics of movies tend to be that uh, they want to do movies that people will go and see right ten or fourteen times and preferably young people mm -hmm. so m movies for older people that people will see once yeah. <laughs> uh, mind you they're not as expensive to make so so um but television has taken some of that away too. Yeah, like right. You, but, but yes, I no, I, I miss the, I miss the, the character dialogue driven movie. I agree with you totally. I admit, and, me too. And, and I'll leapfrog that into the talk about the book, because in in terms of what what we regret we miss, <laughs> is we miss people don't read books. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Agreed. Exactly. <laughs> so here I've written a book. And I think for your up and comers, it's a perfect book, actually. Yes. Um, so maybe they'll have to read their first book. There you go. <laughs> there we go. There's a critic in Vancouver. I, I asked him, you know, can I send you my book? He said, well, yeah, but I have to tell you, I, I, I never finish books. <laughs> you know, and, and he's in the business, you know. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and my daughter in New York, who's a dancer, and she knows that whole world. And she says, oh, none of her friends read books. Mm. They listen to them. They listen to audio books. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I have to go with my book. I have to turn it into an audio book, <laughs> which I'm going to do, but I haven't done that yet. <clears throat> so if you really can't read, <laughs> hang on. Uh, I'll, I'll talk it to you soon. Yes, <laughs> love it. Yes, it has to be you as well because your voice, yeah, like we said, it has to be you. But we're super excited to talk about because um, on acting and life, it's part memoir and part masterclass. So we want to get into that a little bit. What does that mean, part memoir and part masterclass? Are you just talking about your experiences and talking about how to either do the same thing or change it up a little bit? Um, I got the idea from Stephen King, okay. who wrote a book called On Writing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the, the, so I structured it in the same way that the first half is a, is a memoir of my career, which is really weird. I mean, <laughs> I've gone a lot of places and a lot of funny things 
have happened. But it's but the memoir part is focused on my career. I, I don't I don't want to say just as an actor, but as a as a working person connected to acting. So it could mm. be acting, directing, acting, teaching. Right. But so it's all about how did I learn about acting? What did I learn? Where did I learn it? How how did this happen? Mm-hmm. Um, so I go through the you know the whole story and and uh, you know there's lots of people in it. There's Brian Cox when when he was 15 and he mm-hmm. was my apprentice in Dundee and and we go on and on and on. Um, and then through that process, some of my kind of ideas about acting sort of emerge. Mm. But the the second half of the book is is much more structured towards how to act, if you like, or or what I think is a is an approach to the craft. And it's quite detailed. I mean, it's um, because there's a whole section called tricks, traps, and techniques. Because mm. there's all kinds of small things that trip up an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the most obvious one is the fact that every time you look at the script, the same thing happens. Mm. So every time I say this line, you say that line. So then pretty soon, every time I say this line, I expect you to say that line. Right. I may not even wait for you to say it. I may just go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in, in real life, I have no idea what you're going to say next. And, and that, so that, one of the things an actor has to work for is so that I'm surprised by what you say. So, so, so we have then a dynamic because I'm trying to go one way, the other actor is trying to go another way, and what emerges is the scene. Mm. But the scene isn't just spelled out nicely by two very nice actors doing a very nice performance. It's actually a, a cut and thrust dynamic mm. but so lots of things there are lots of things i mean it's simple things like what do you do with your hands and those kind of things but i love that though because you know i i something as simple as hitting your mark or what to do with your hands i think for the people that are stepping on it for the very first time those are big deals they have no yeah. idea how do i hit my mark without looking down at my mark yeah. right because you, you yeah. can't so that's invaluable information and to what pass do i along. do when wardrobe gives me pants that don't have pockets because <laughs> I always put my hands in my pocket. What am I going to do now? That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, all that stuff. All that stuff. There's tons of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's fantastic. And, you know, I, the old saying, you know, if, if you if you're don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. I, I, right. I, I, I like that, but then I also hate that because I feel like if you learn from, if you don't learn from history, you're also not going to be successful from it sure sure doomed from it right but i feel like if you take the time you study you learn and, and you listen to what people have to say over the years that, that they've learned you're also bound to repeat success not just repeat the failure or the doom part you're you're bound to find some success if you do that as well correct what you what you all want to find ultimately <clears throat> is what's underneath yes you know if i just copy something that you did um yes that's likely and and there's some interesting examples. Uh, Woody Allen talks about uh, what was the, the movie he did? Oh, it was a, a, a Chekhov movie, mm. and uh, or a movie of a, a play by Chekhov. Mm-hmm. And he said it was just really boring. And, and he <laughs> loved that. And he said, "Why was it boring?" He said, "Because I didn't have the talent." 
um, I had the same thing at the National Theatre of Great Britain. Uh, one director um, loved the Berliner Ensemble production of Mother Courage. And at the National Theatre, he duplicated that. Mm. It was so boring. I can tell you. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't stay through it almost. Right. Um, you've got to find what's underneath. You've got to find what inspires it, what makes it move, what gives it life. Um, so you can look at all these things, but ultimately you're finding the undercurrent. For me, the real undercurrent, I suppose, for the actor is why do I do what I do? Mm. Mm -hmm. And if I really want to do it, then I'll do it. Mm. I mean, if I really want to kill Duncan, um, then, well, obviously we won't actually kill the actor, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Um, I have, I have to really want to do it. I have to want to say the lines, exactly these lines at exactly this moment in exactly this way. And if I really want to do, and in order to get there, I have to ask all kinds of questions about who am I, what's going on, what's my backstory until I work my way to that understanding. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, you're going to be a very happy man because our listeners, they read books. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we, we actually, and the young ones, we credit all of them. We have some very young listeners. We have some very old listeners, everybody in between, and they actually read. And we know this to be true because we do a top five segment. And one of our top five segments we did way back was our favorite books. And the response was massive. It blew up and they were telling us what their favorite books were. And we're like, Oh, they do read. Okay, yeah. so so we are so excited oh, to have your book, and, and we're right. going to tell everybody where they can find. So let's do that. Tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can purchase it, how to go about it, uh, and and the name of it again. It's on acting and life. It's William B. Davis. Mm -hmm. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it. Uh, you can find it at Barnes and Noble. You can find it on my website, WilliamBDavis.com. Um, and if you want it signed, you can get it from WillieBDavis.com. Oh, nice. Okay, even better. Nice. Well, we yeah. appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come and talk to us, get a little crazy, and to pass off that knowledge to the up-and-comers yeah. because it is definitely invaluable. And we get messages every single week talking about how much they appreciate the guests, and they're going to absolutely love this interview. Oh, that's great. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Fantastic. An open invite anytime you ever want to come back on, talk about the entertainment industry or anything. Just talk about life. We are here for it. Uh, just reach out. And like I said, open invite. You can come back on whenever. Absolutely. Great. Okay. Thanks Thank so you. Much. Of course. All right. You take care. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Yeah. Thank All right. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Woo! Man, man, oh man. Talk about a legend right there. I mean, just like, I know I was kind of like, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I'm talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I love, though, you know, you can hear the passion in his voice. He, you know, sure. he said, find the reason you do it. Find why. But you can tell he's passionate about it. I mean, you have it from 12 all the way on. I mean, exactly. you got to be passionate about what you're doing. I think that book is going to be an invaluable tool mm -hmm. for up and coming actors on how to get it done. I can too, man. I mean, it's really, you know, it's something that it, it's literally like a class. Like we talked about, it's part memoir, part master class. You can literally take notes and take little pieces from it to help you evolve in the entertainment industry and find yourself as an actor or as just a creative. I think yeah. that's very important. For sure. Thank you again, Mr. Davis, for coming 
coming on the show. Well, now it is time for the top five segment, though. And this week, it is top five favorite Denzel Washington Whoa. films. <laughs> but man, oh man, I'm super excited about this one because he is one of the best actors of our time. For sure. And man, I mean, one that I'm surprised had didn't make either of our list is Philadelphia. We just want to throw that out there. Philadelphia is one of the best movies of all time. You know what? I, I wanted to put that on my list, and then I felt like it's an unfair thing to do because while he's fantastic in that film, it's not his film. It's yeah, Tom Hanks. fair. So I, that's why. But yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to not want to put it on there because he's fucking just the, when he shows up as a lawsuit yeah fucking brilliant anyway all right so funny so funny well my number five goes to a recent one that he just did uh before Macbeth, and that's the little things his dynamic with just jared leto i felt like was so fucking good <gasps> and i mean you still i mean it's one of those films that start a conversation and you know we love those so i mean just yeah going back and forth with him those are both really talented actors very method very uh, thespian i could say and it just makes complete sense why they were paired together for this type of story too i would definitely go back and watch this on hbo max while you can because you don't know how long it'll fucking be there but of course that's why i had to put it on my list so the little things on hbo max yes my number five is a true story based on an african-american man who saw an opportunity to take on the mob and did so successfully for quite a long time. I am, of course, talking about American Gangster. Mm. Now, this cast has just about everybody under the sun in this film. And Denzel Washington gives, in my opinion, one of his best performances ever. And could have you picked a better person to be a fucking badass black mobster to take on the mob? I think not. If you guys haven't seen it, like I said, it's based on a true story. You should totally go back and watch it. It's very interesting to see the dynamics and figure out like how he built his empire opposite the Italian mob and, and where he could and could not negotiate and like it, it's a very interesting story and, and, and like I said real life so uh, I, I highly recommend going back and watching this one American Gangster yeah man the Frank Lucas story so yeah. fucking yeah. good so good um, number four for me is lesser known uh, unless you're just into basketball mm. but uh, he got game with Ray Allen and Denzel Washington, basically a dad who comes home from prison and tries to reconnect with his son who is about to, I forget, either about to go to the league or go to college, make his yep. commitment. And it's so good. It's such a good film. And kudos to Ray Allen because this man is not an actor, but he gave it all he's got. And it's, he does really well with one of our biggest a-list stars that we have in the entertainment industry right now but it's such a good like heartwarming film that i feel like if you are getting into basketball or anything like that notion you should definitely watch this one he got game with denzel washington and mm -hmm. ray allen yeah i mean so good so good okay my number four it's a remake. You know I'm not normally fond of remakes, but this one was actually really fucking great. Had a phenomenal cast. Chris Pratt, Denzel Washington, just a ton of people in this thing. I'm talking about The Magnificent Seven, mm. where my man leading his group of ragtag seven to help enforce a town that's been taken over by some bad guys. Yeah. Now, this film is amazing. Uh, you, you think modern-day Western, right? Like, are they still relevant? Are, are Westerns still cool? This film answered that question. 
Yes. yes. And Denzel Washington, as the leader of this gang, made it even more so cool. Another one of our buddies and former guests, Clint James, also is in this film, which is freaking fantastic. We love it. Um, this is a really, really good film. It is. I think in my it lives up to the original, The Magnificent Seven, with Ewell Brenner and the gang way back. I mean, a real classic. But this one lived up to it, and I was actually not disappointed with it. And I think if you guys are fans of Westerns and you're fans of Chris Pratt, Denzel Washington and the gang, you should definitely check this one out. Well worth it. For sure, man. For sure. Well, number three for me goes to a Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington <laughs> flick. It is two guns, basically two fucking uh, agents who are pit against each other from two different, you know, organizations, and they thought they were both criminals trying to get <laughs> fucking shit over on each other. But that's how great fucking the country communicates. Oh, uh, I love it. It's so good because their dynamic. I mean, like I said before, on he got game, such an amazing actor. But then when you pair him with Mark Wahlberg, who has earned his right to be in that conversation as well. It's just so good. Action, comedy type of situation, adventure, really freaking good. If you guys haven't seen this one, be sure to check it out. I feel like it was kind of one of those that people wrote off as like a throwaway film, but it's a really good one. So check it out. Two guns. Yeah, no, for sure. My number three was a huge, wildly successful play in which Denzel Washington starred and then decided, okay, hey, let's make it a film. He came back, starred in the film version of it with Viola Davis, who was not doing weird things with her mouth in this one. No, she was not. <laughs> this is a really fucking phenomenal film. It's set in the 1950s, and it's basically just like this stark look at a man trying to raise his family in the hood in the 1950s yep. and dealing with a whole kind of situation of being poor and all the different type things, raising his son and... and it's, it's an outstanding look at America and what the times were like for a black family in the 50s in New York and trying to come up and, and just – it's amazing. I, I can't say enough. The performances – are are unbelievable. All Oscar worthy. Everybody in it was Oscar worthy. Um, and and it's definitely one that you should check out. I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. I hope it comes back to Broadway at some point. I thought right. I'd like to see a, a revival of it and be able to catch it somewhere because it was phenomenal. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Uh, fun fact: I've never seen that movie. Uh, really, really need to see that. Oh yeah, no, I've been dude, wanting you, to for like ever. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You will really, really like it. Oh man. Number two is probably one that fucking everybody has been trying to tell us to say this whole top five segment, and that is Training Day. <laughs> King Kong ain't got shit on me. That's right. Man, oh, man. And uh, I'm getting more into Ethan Hawke right now as well. He's fucking amazing. I love, like, the things I've been seeing of him recently and going back and looking at his older work. But Training Day is so fucking good, man. I believe Antoine Fuqua, I think yep, so, yep. Um, directing that one. It's so, like... Just basically a good cop, bad cop, like, you know, trying to get everybody out on the street, but trying to, like, navigate the the country we live in and the rural parts we live in, I guess you could say. And, yeah, it's such a good film. Did, is this one? Didn't he win an Academy Award for this one? I believe so. Yes. So that's why you should go back and fucking watch it. And this is where Terry Crews first gets discovered. So be sure to check it out because Terry Crews is fucking awesome. So, yeah, number two for me, Training Day. Denzel Washington as a shady-ass cop. Yeah. I mean, 
how can you not want to see exactly it? <laughs> that's what i'm saying my number two i feel like i don't have to say a word Mm-mm. you know the man you know the story and denzel washington played it fucking phenomenally brilliant that's all i have to say about it my number two of denzel washington films of my all-time favorites malcolm x mm. enough said enough said right there man <laughs> it's so damn good i mean that's it that's it uh and number one for both of us because how could it not oh be my gosh our number ones? it's such a good fucking film jesus christ and then plus so we good. love football absolutely love football ryan gosling young ryan gosling um fucking so so Hayden Pantier, yeah, like yeah. a baby Hayden Pantier. Sunshine, like, sunshine, yeah. fucking remember the Titans, oh. man. The fucking speech at Gettysburg when he makes them run all the way there, like so beautiful. The whole thing is such a beautiful film. Oh, it 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 it's it's a life lesson. It's a it's a it's a family story, and in my opinion, maybe one of the greatest football films ever made. Like, yeah. like if you are a diehard football fan, this is an absolute must film to watch. I feel like it's every school after this film came out tried to emulate that success. For sure, <laughs> like in real life, yeah. I, I just feel like that was it. Right, this is the one. This is what it's got to be. Um, we are the Titans. I mean, just there's so many like unbelievable. If you guys don't know the story, it's about this like a black man that comes in to take over as head coach of a school and the town ain't wanting it. Okay, they want no part of it. But he turns this program around. He 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 ends the segregation and blends the teams. And he just it's it's an amazing fucking story. And I, I mean, if you haven't seen it what yeah <laughs> but, but if you haven't check it out i mean there's a reason it's both of our number ones yeah inspired by a true story i believe so, oh yeah. yeah yeah be sure to check that one out so good but man we want to know what is your favorite denzel washington flick be sure to comment below in the youtube section or in the podcast section or add us on twitter at crazy guy 1970 or jlo fantastic yes all the good places man well, the box office recap, man, oh man, there was a lukewarm response oh. to DC's Super Pets, as we predicted, um, but it still came in at number one, like we said, because we're in that lull period, uh, with $23 million. Uh Number two was Nope with 18.6. Thor Love and Thunder came in at number three with 13.2. Minions, The Rise of Gru came in at number four with uh, $11 million. and number five is Top Gun Maverick with 8.4. Still hanging in the top five. Guys, if you want to see DC Super Pets, I would highly recommend you go see it. Because another thing that Zasloff said is that he is now on a case-by-case basis Mm. deciding on once films are in the theaters, will they show up on the streaming service or won't they? So you might not even be able to see DC Super Pets if you don't go see it real quick. Because he might not even put it on the streamer. And it's family-friendly, so the odds are pretty high that he won't. (laughs) Just saying. I mean, So crazy. Well, new movies that are out right now that you can go see. Bullet Train, if you go to a theater that has decent surround sound. Because I tried to go see it yesterday, and my theater was like, oh, I'm sorry, this theater is not working. Uh, uh, So pissed. Hopefully tomorrow. Uh, Bodies, 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 whatever that is. (laughs) Easter Sunday, I love dad i mean i don't know what any of those are besides bodies are not even bodies a bullet train <laughs> yeah yeah movies you can still go see right now are where the crawl dad oh, sing go see elvis go see the black phone jurassic world dominion yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> and a couple of others well imdb pro's top trending segment though the gray man is the number one conversation right now yeah. i've heard very mixed opinions about this one so 
We'll see how that one is. Um, Better Call Saul is the top trending TV show. Makes sense because I think they're in their last season. Um, and this top trending star is Ana de Armas because she's about to play Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I, it's not for Gray Man. She's in it, but you blink and you miss her. Yeah. Like, so I think it's all to do with Marilyn. So. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Well, great show. Thank you so much for getting crazy with us. Episode 205 yes. of Inside the Crazy Am Farm. We got to thank our guest one more time, William B. Davis, for coming on the show. And be sure to follow him on social media man be sure to follow us on social media as well the company is at crazy ant media the podcast is at itcap podcast myself i'm at jlo fantastic and i'm at crazy ant guy 1970 that's right and you guys know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more man oh man there's a lot of things happening and if you're watching this video on youtube be sure to hit the like button on the video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of crazy ant media and be sure to leave a comment and let us know what you thought about the show what was your favorite part i know we got a little passionate about that warner brother discovery because fuck them but you know it's it's crazy time we live in hey it's- look look i, I just want to say this because I, I think a lot of people out there are like whoa wait these guys are filmmakers they're in the industry they they could potentially at future points work with uh you know warner brothers discovery or work with disney whenever we go at chapic and stuff but guys we are a, a film company. We are proud of our work. We're proud of our company. And our company has a brand that we very adamantly protect. And for us, it's not always about that. I would rather stay indie our entire career than compromise our morals or not do what's right in our belief system. So attacking uh, Warner Brothers Discovery... We have to stand up for what we think is right, and we don't think what Zasloff is doing is right. And so if that costs us an opportunity, then it costs us an opportunity. But we're not willing at Crazy Ant Media to compromise our morals. It's more than the bottom line to us. It's about doing the right thing. Exactly, So uh, Exactly. If you're wondering. <laughs> yeah. There it is. And there it is. That was my favorite part of the show this week. Exactly. There's a lot of good stuff going down. I'm so excited for Andor. There's a oh, lot of yeah. stuff hitting Disney Plus here soon. Shulky, I'm fucking so ec- excited about She-Hulk. So good, man. So fucking good. But before we go, be sure to visit our website, www.crazyamedia.com, where you start rocking the latest and greatest native crazy media gear our film is up there deadlines right now yes. you can watch it for free on our youtube channel as well all the good things man that are coming out of hollywood and the bad things you can find it right here on crazy yes. Ant is inside the crazy ant farm hey and you know who is never afraid to speak her mind and doesn't care what people think and doesn't care about the risk because she does what's right exactly oprah, oprah!